Are off, and that voice is Slim, the host of the Paper Cake Podcast, Episode 77. Where am I right now? Stay hot, Jonesy. 77 in, and that's the first club you've ever had. Ever. Only physically. Welcome to the Paper Cake Podcast, where we talk about industry news, uh, the books we're reading, and we'll do a little book club that we all read. Astro City. And uh, we'll read your letters live to close out the show. Letters at papercake.com. Welcome, welcome back into the groove. You know, we're back on a weekly schedule. Live. Live. As you're listening to this, it's live. Best decision we ever made. Weekly uh, feels so good. That voice you heard before that annoying voice was VP of Design uh, of Paper Keg. He's a father. He's a family man. Dale underscore A. Thanks for being here. Good evening, uh, fellows. It is wonderful to be in your company this evening. Uh, let's head over to Pennsylvania, where the unpublished writer sits on a couch. Pants optional. Hope but hopeful. Uh, Jonesy loves beer on the Twitter. Thanks for being here tonight. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. And really the star of the show because minorities sell right now in podcasts. Uh, they're the gold bullion right now. Mark Farrington, you're a writer, you're a TV star, and you are, in fact, black. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me here at the Jonesy Paper Keg Den, where pants are mandatory. <laughs> Only in our minds. Only in our minds. What a show. Astro City is our book club this week. First ever, we've gone back into the archives, the podcast archives, mm-hmm. and we're just going to get into it together. Feels good. Jensi, I can't even see you right now. What? What is happening? I see I, your right bosom. It, it's like the Cuban Missile Crisis of uh, <laughs> podcast video right now. I'm holding myself away from you. <laughs> What? Uh, what a show. So we have some letters. We're back in the game. Letters at paperkeg.com. Uh, if you want to become a podcast star, you know, mm-hmm. my theory still holds correct. Most people listen to podcasts to hear their own name. And we'll we'll talk about you later on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to hear from just a special man. He's got his pop filter tonight. Oh, 
yeah. And he gives us the news that is too hot to print. What's happening in the world right now, Dale? Well, let me bring something up to you fellows. Okay? Yeah. Section 203 of the Copyright Act of 1976. Hmm? Sounds all legalese. Sounds, you know, something that we would normally tackle. You know, too highbrow for us. Too cerebral. Uh, Section 203 of the Copyright Act uh, basically uh, states that in the year 2013, it's the first year it could happen, authors may terminate a copyright transfer or license for work created on or after January 1st, 1978. This is real? This is happening? This is legal. This is legal. This is legalese. So, so the biggest example of what this could affect would be Alan Moore's Watchmen. Whoa, whom he uh, signed the rights over to DC in 1985. So, a couple years after 2013, I don't know what I don't know the math. This is a math keg. For those drinking at home, that was an Alan Moore name drop on the podcast. That's a drink. Anytime Alan Moore is mentioned on a comics podcast, that's a drink at least. So, really, this can be. Any creator-owned character as well after 78? Even if he appeared in Marvel or DC as a main character? Yeah, after 78, it would... Um, courts. It could go to court, and it could, the courts could have a lot of fun with it. Creators could have a lot of fun with this. Uh, so it does have to be litigated. It's not just like I filed an injunction against the Punisher. Because oh, I that yeah. Wasn't, that, wasn't, that was probably work for hire, though, right? Oh, okay. Maybe I don't. I don't even. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. We need. Do we need to get a lawyer in here? Mark, are you a lawyer? No, and unfortunately, the paper keg lawyer is in D.C. for the weekend. So, what does this mean in simple terms for everyday comic readers? Because I'm kind of not following it. It's because you're hammered right now, Mark. <laughs> Twisted. It's Friday. <laughs> uh, um. So, really, what it means? Well, D.C. owns the rights to Watchmen, even though. Uh, Moore was hired yeah. to create the Watchmen, and you know, obviously the the what's the the contract? That's what you call them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the contract issue that's been the issue in comics, and the reason a drinking game has started <laughs> was because of the because Alan Moore's Watchmen contract. But uh, DC uh, kind of screwed. Depending on how you look at it. Alan Moore was screwed by DC. Right, What right. this does is transfer the rights of Watchmen back to Alan Moore. Alleged. Alleged. You know, oh, in a court of law. Got it. Uh, and, uh, Alan Moore being the, the, the biggest and maybe soonest example uh, of what this law could provide. Uh, your thoughts, Jonesy? Uh, I... Okay, let's see if I can phrase them in a, in a sober way. Mark's drunken breath is starting to uh, make me inebriated over here. Says the man whose name is Jonesy Loves Beer. Continue. Uh, s- anyhow, uh, I think it's great that some people that have obviously been hosed uh, can try at least get some you know, monetary recompensance for their creations. Especially recompense. If, if recompense, thanks. Uh in case they created something extremely popular and they aren't getting any of the profits while, you know, other people are cashing in. Uh, I And I also am happy to hear that it does have to be litigated because 
it could very quickly turn to a circus of, hey, I created Miles Morales and your Ultimate Spider-Man is selling like hotcakes. I deserve a better chunk because of my creation. Uh, it could get out of hand pretty quick. So, it, I don't know, Slim, I always turn to your venerable advice during the, situations like this. I'm. This has really piqued my interest because I want to know where does this leave Peaked. the... Un, as yet unpublished creator on project known as Inherited. Where does this, is this falling into public domain? What is I, happening with I, Inherited right I now? I think it could force us not to publish. I think could you be should the issue. you should keep it in the in the uh, lockbox. The in only your basement. the I only place it's going to be safe is in the vaults of my own mind. I uh, think you guys are you, you guys are doing a pretty good job of uh, forcing <laughs> yourselves not to publish that. I I'm curious as to how this is going to have, if any an effect on the ongoing lawsuit between the Jerry Siegel, Joe Schuster family and Warner Brothers for the rights to Superman. That lawsuit's been going on for, I think, almost a decade now. Yeah, but it was created before 78, so it's not going to help them yeah, at all. Yeah, good point, good point. Um, I do want to bring up that there is a Twitter account for the Inherited Comic, and <laughs> it has not tweeted <laughs> since 117 days ago. And I do want to point out something spectacular. Okay. And for those that don't know, Inherited Comic is a book that Jonesy loves beer and uh, at Fiends they're working on. Read this. I'm just going to read this tweet out loud right now. Uh, could we be just days away from a huge <laughs> announcement? And the timestamp on that tweet, July 19th, 2012. Still waiting on that announcement, Jonesy. Alleged. You could Alleged be waiting. Announcement. It could be. It could just be days away. It could be. Are you now? Are you reading that tweet via Bleeding Cool? This is Bleeding <laughs> Cool firmed. Uh, there's there's a poll happening. They're asking what's going to happen first. Alan Moore gets the rights to Watchmen back, or Inherited <laughs> being released. Stay tuned uh, for yeah. that. Tan it up. <laughs> Tan the hide on that one. Do you, do we have any more Nia's Dale, or is that was that the hotbed? That was the hotbed of of semi red news that I went over. Uh, the uh, CW is uh, putting out casting calls for their latest in their uh, DC origin stories, Amazon. What? Exclusive. Mark, you going out for that one? Did you get tapped? How many black people are in the Wonder Woman story? Right, that's true. Drink, that's drink. Mark makes a reference to lack of white people. That's two drinks. Uh, if he if he could <laughs> Star Wars, finish your drink. I read a I read a tidbit. I, w- I will I said exclusive to this podcast, but I read a little tidbit on the internet that they they're not calling it her Deanna. They're calling her Iris, but this, the the story just sounds exactly like uh, Wonder Woman. I don't know if they're just not going to do it or they're just doing using code Slim, using code to cast. Have you heard that she'll be wearing the blue hot pants from the on air pilot? Have you heard uh, this? I, I, there is no confirmation online. As of yet, as to what right. kind of pantaloons she's wearing, I have been looking for the images of the star-spangled hot pants for quite some time, <laughs> to no avail. Just whatever they are, to look for them in Hot Topic next fall. <laughs> well, well, we're ru- <laughs> we're running out of tape right now. We need to keep Thank moving. God. Keep the train moving along. Uh, we read a lot of comics, the four of us. You know, we have a lot of free time on our hands. That's all we mm-hmm. do. We just read comics. And we ignore our significant others and children, if we have any. Uh, Mark Things Farrington. Okay. Things are fine that way. Things are fine. Your 
you're an amazing human being, mm-hmm. and I want to hear what you've been reading this week. I have been reading, I can't get enough of all new X-Men. I'm on all new X-Men number two. Mm. That book you know, I'm is glad, awesome. I'm glad somebody brought that up. I, I'm so glad. In all new X-Men number two, it's picking up where number one left off. It is opening up with the X-Men trying to figure out where Beast is. Cuts to the past in the 1960s where the Hank McCoy that we know is talking to the X-Men, trying to get them to come back to the present and talk some sense into Scott Summers. They're looking at him. They're looking at this six foot four, tall, blue, furry animal that is claiming to be one of their own, and they're just confused as all hell. Beast accidentally spoils the fact that Jean Grey is going to develop telepathy. They want to go talk to the professor. Beast tells them, no, don't do it. When they keep pressing him, he says, don't, because the professor just died. They're all in shock. They go to the future, and all hell breaks loose. Wolverine is in the middle of teaching a class when he catches a whiff of something, looks out the window, tells the students to talk to himself, Next thing we see, he's lunging at the young X-Men attacking them. Mm. This book is great. I can't put it down. It flips the traditional paradigm of time travel stories. When we see a mysterious character come back into the present and tells them how bad things are, instead of seeing that, we're actually watching Beast be that character to the young X-Men. We've had the benefit of watching all of the Marvel Universe develop and go to hell and all the stories that have happened. And he's trying to tell these kids that everything that you're fighting for and all of these ideals that you uphold, they're all going to go down the toilet. I also thought this book had some great popcorn moments. Like, for instance, I love the fact that uh, the original X-Men stole the Blackbird. Love that. And I also enjoy, for some reason, as as <laughs> tired as I think it is, there's my side drink. I love the fact, I, I can't get enough of the Wolverine, Cyclops, Jean Grey trilogy, probably because I grew up with it in the cartoon, you know, mm-hmm. where Wolverine tears the picture in half. Jean! <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, when when he sees her for the first time and then they fly off and like he's still semi-unconscious for getting an optic blast to the face bone, which he can totally survive. Uh, he just says, Jeannie. It's great. I love it. It's <laughs> I want to have an issue just where Scott and Logan grab a beer and talk about Gene being back, and I just want to read it over and over again. No, you're right, and you said it perfectly. This book is full of popcorn moments. Aside from the fact that we've got the benefit of knowing and witnessing, like, the relatively dystopian future that everybody's come from, we get the suspense in watching the young X-Men piece it together just how bad it is. And I even love the fact that the little nods, like you said, that scene where Wolverine is attacking the X-Men and the teamwork that the young X-Men use had always been their trademark. I loved seeing them just do simple stuff, like Gene holds them, Scott blasts them, Iceman makes sure he lands okay. Just little nods to show you that these guys were a formidable team when they were teenagers. Also love the line where Angel is like, oh my god, you're dead. Scott's a a mutant war leader. I wonder what happened to me. Yeah, right. And Gene's like, I can't read your mind yet. Warren Worthington III. (laughs) Stops. She's like, oh, I've got telepathy. And with the last issue, or with the last page and the last issue, the original X-Men in the Blackbird off to find 
the present-day Cyclops, who's teamed up with Magneto and is seen as a terrorist, I can't wait for issue three. Yeah, the uh, uh, just the co- like the colors in this book, like the art is amazing. The colors, I'm just staring into these pages, like uh, gorgeous, like a forlorn lover. Just Jean's <laughs> hair alone. Uh, tell a story. Yeah, it's it's just absolutely gorgeous, and um, I mean Bendis, it's Bendis. It's like uh, it's got a new, fresh feeling to it, and. Uh, I love. I th- I th- actually thought the second issue was so much more satisfying than the first issue. It like felt longer, and it just felt like there was more payoff. Because uh, all, all you can think about after the first issue was the cliffhanger. Yeah. And you had already read that like a month beforehand in that little preview book. So, I love the vigor that Bendis brings to a new property once he gets it. Mm-hmm. Like when he when he just first, like Avengers was the same way. And now all new X Men. There's just like an energy that it's kinetic that he has when he's writing a new property, and I love it. I love it. This is the only book I was saying uh, today. This is the only book I can think of in like the X Men universe. There's a ton of instances where they'll go forward. They'll go forward in time, or someone will come back in time to present day characters. So like Bishop came back, and you know all that stuff. But mm-hmm. this is the first time I can think of where the tables have turned where our characters go back in time and they're the ones coming from the future. Because time travel happens all the time in X-Men books, but this is the first time mm-hmm. I can think of where it's like flip-flopped and it's great. It's, it's beautiful. And I love, I agree with you, I think that too. And I also think with them going back in time and us having the benefit of having read all of that, there's such inherent suspense and anticipation and dramatic buildup that Bendis doesn't even have to explain. So when the five younger X-Men are trying to figure out what happened or what's going to be their future, we already know. So that's why it's brilliant when Immaman just draws Beast standing there debating, all right, do I tell these kids? I don't want to spoil the future. They're not going to understand. And as a fan, I'm sitting there on my couch going, oh, he's going to tell them. He's going to tell them that they team up with Magneto. He's going to tell them that Professor X is dead. It's just great. Mm-hmm. I love that. Uh, Jonesy loves beer. Inherited comic on the Twitter. Stay tuned for updates. What are you reading right now? Amazing Spider-Man issue six hundred and ninety-eight. We all read this. Wow, we all read it. Wow. At this point, it's been touchy. It's been nine days since its release. So is it? That's the justification of what you're about to blow. You're about to blow the doors off. I am. I'm happening? gonna. I'm gonna take it in the the train in the spoiler station right now. I'm gonna conduct this to your ears. <laughs> okay. Peter Parker is not who he says he is. Wait, can we Peter confirm? Parker? Has has uh <laughs> has Dale read this issue yet? Dale, have you read it? Yes, okay. I have read it. Oh, Just okay. Second. Thank God. Second. Thank God. I, I would have put a stop to it. <laughs> Peter Parker, not who he says he is. He uh he's having a great day at the start of this issue. Six ninety eight. He's getting it together. Hey. Mary Jane, why aren't we together? I've got it going on. I got this great job. I'm an inventor. I'm also a superhero who's got it going on. I, I'm going to tie up the loose ends and I'm going to have a perfect life. Sexual loose ends. But wait, mm-hmm. but wait, but wait. Sexy My arch nemesis, or one of my nemesis, Doc Ock, is about to die. It's been leading up to this for issues. He's on his last legs. His last arms, if you will. 
So Octo. Petey Octo. goes to the uh, the raft to say his final goodbyes because Doc Ock has been saying his name. Parker. Peter Parker. And Cap's like, yo, Pete, you ready to go in there, bro? He's asking for you, not Spider-Man. Pete's like, I got this. Turn the cameras off. This has to be private. And then he's like, Jonesy's, Jonesy's eyes are closed. Because <laughs> oh, I'm just like a, taking a I'm selfie. Pay, with I'm can someone find his mind. other hand? Where is his other hand right now? <laughs> it's so, like William Shatner is telling us about Spider-Man. <laughs> ready? Ready for this? Pete tells Doc Ock, listen, I'm Doc Ock. We switched minds, bro. I stole your body. I got all your memories. I'm going to live your life like you should have. And then Peter's Doc Ock takes his last breath to be continued. Fellas, (laughs) I don't know how to express how amazed I was by this issue of Amazing Spider-Man. Dan Slott is a genius dot com slash Mandy Boo sing his praises dot org. When I when I read the I I was reading this issue and I was like, man, Peter, something's up with Peter. Something something funky's happening right now. It reminded me of the Peter Parker from Spider Man Three when he was you know skipping down the street yeah. dancing, having a high high life. And then I the I mean the, the this is the only issue I can think of that like punched me in the stomach at the end where I was like, oh my god. And I, I felt like ill thinking about it. I literally felt ill because I was, the, the, my immediate thought was like, oh man, are they gonna, he's gonna go out on a date with with Mary Jane? And then they're just gonna yeah. like, you know, knock boots and I'm just gonna wanna throw up. Because it it's oh, really old god. man Ock in there. Yeah, you know what I mean? Both in there and in there, if you know what I mean. He the whole the whole action was just like a, a so quick punch in the stomach. It was like some sort of ninja chop to my midsection. Like it was just so fast, and it was so stinking brilliant how it was executed. And I knew like I was worried in the beginning when he started acting like Spider Man three, and he was going to try to slide up into MJ <laughs> and <laughs> and seal the deal. Like I'm like, what's happening here? Is is brand new day? Is the walls coming crashing down? Like I was like, what's going on here, Dan? And uh, and then it just totally. I I hope we gave the audience enough of a spoiler alert before you <laughs> spoiled it. But what do you think yeah, is going to happen? Amazing. So so Superior Spider Man, I guess if nothing else changes, is. Doc Ock, right? Or do we think it's still going to be like someone else? No, I think that, I think they're going to be bold. I think it's going to be Doc Ock for a while. Well, we don't even know because 700 is supposed to be a huge game changer. And then yeah. there's always the red herring that Dan Slott tweeted about uh, Miguel O'Hara Spider-Man 2099. Yeah, that is like the biggest red herring of all time. He even changed his Twitter name to it. It says yeah. Miguel O'Hara. <laughs> so. trying to throw everybody off but I, I just don't understand why Doc Ock I guess there is a theory like he could try and, and, and turn around and like this will be his redemption where maybe 700 there's no way to reverse the bodies and Pete's like well you gotta you're about to die or you gotta do the right thing now you gotta make amends for your entire life and yeah, then but, he tries but to but Pete's dead you don't, you don't know just he, die that. with Peter and Tatum he's coming back he's got one more fight in him Alleged death, Jonesy. Maybe I read the next issue. Maybe I can't talk about it. This guy. He's n- <laughs> but you got to remember that, like, in that one scene, uh, Norman 
escaped from the hospital. I, yeah, like, that's what I thought. I thought, I thought it was going to be. That was when I think I told you. I'm not sure if I said something to you, Dale, but I, that's who I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be or Harry Osborne because that's Harry Osborne in like uh, he's, he's got a different identity. You know, he's got to move from city to city. Oh, that's right. So I thought that was. I thought Harry Osborne is going to be Spider Man. I mean, it's possible. It, Maybe at 700, could, there's another switcheroo that happens. Yeah, it was great how Harry answered the phone. He's like, just by me answering this phone, I have to move again. Like, I have to change cities mm-hmm. again with my... And he's got a little kid now and stuff, but... And and N- Norman is in the hospital. He escapes. The, his uh, hospital bed's empty, like... And the uh, Octobots are... Something is afoot with those little Octo Nano bots. I mean, s- stuff is going down, brothers. <laughs> down. I can't wait to read. Two more issues. And uh, I think issue 700 is going to be, like... 150 pages or something. Eight, oh, it's like seven, it's eight bucks, I think, right? Eight bucks, eight and it's like take three times my money, the size. Dan. Seven, take it. 700 is going to be phenomenal, but I can't wait for 699 because Dan's been saying he's been building this up since issue 600, and 699 is where we find out the hows, the whys. We see all of the payout explanation. I, want, says, I can't wait for that. He says that in 699, the Marvel staff told him that it's, it was the most disturbing panel in Spider-Man comics history, and they what? all agreed. I want Dan Slott to take my $8, spread it out on a bed, get into an extra medium <laughs> Spider-Man costume, and roll around in it. Because eight, I am prepared. Bills. I am prepared to give him this money for the payoff. We are running out of tape. I'm not sure if Five you and three ones. Uh, Dale underscore A. All Sacagawea dollars, Dale. What are you <laughs> reading right now? Dwayne Swarsinski's Judge Dread. Just walked away from the computer for a second. Now I'm back. Uh, Judge Dread, number one, is a an Americanized, an American attempt, an American comic book format of the famed 2000 AD character. And uh, this is our chance to enjoy some dread again. I mean, we've had other chances too. Judge Dredd, obviously, if you've seen the uh, Sly movie. Amazing Amazing movie. Send in the clones. Is the judge, jury, and possible executioner in uh, in the, the judges are in a city a city region called Mega City One, home to 800 million people. Oh, God. Mega City One is the size of, like, eastern seaboard and and a bit west. And they there's no time for court systems and stuff, so the judges drive around and uh, happen upon, upon crimes. And the first issue is... Um, I very much got the feel that it's very faithful to the to the source material. There's a lot of um, hyper violent kind of um, actions. Mm-hmm. It's not. There's not a whole lot of meat and depth to the story, at least not yet. There's two different stories. There's like a, a main and a backup, but they're both about the same amount of pages, and it involves both stories involved um, robotics and and, and Android synthetic systems basically going awry, like a singularity type moment, and it's uh, it's influencing people to do bad things, and the judges happen upon the scene and are possibly um, arresting, executing, 
judging people that are just victims of manipulation of robotics. It doesn't make <laughs> me feel good for the future. It doesn't make me feel good. I but uh, it, I, Sorry to interject. I just okay. was so... Uh, I felt it was very lackluster for her first issue. Like, I wanted so much stuff to happen where Judge Dredd is just, like, literally blowing people's heads off for 20 pages, and none of that <laughs> happened. He was like a B character, it felt like. Yeah, and this, the second story with, like, that woman android in the in the headphone store, I guess, it was just really weird. Like, I, I don't know. I, and I, I'm afraid that it's not going to get any better. That's my fear. Mm. Like, it's a, it's a... It was a showing of what's to come, and I don't think is, there's anything much. I, I very much like the art yeah. in it, but, I mean, what's that saying? I felt like there's just such a huge history. It, I don't know. Like, imagine, in my case, there would be, like, no Wolverine comic books in America or, or like, let's just say Europe. So we've had Wolverine. They've never had any Wolverine mm-hmm. solo issues over there, and they have, like, one issue to start off with. This is Wolverine number one for Europe. And it's like they put out the best there is. Oh God, Wolverine the best there is is number one that Europe gets. I would be appalled, and I would right, I would rather go and burn every single issue in Europe and go into prison for the rest of my life than that happened. But <laughs> I just felt like there there's got to be more to dread than this. I don't know. Maybe it's a slow build. Maybe I don't know. But but I also I also am afraid that maybe there's not more to dread. We can't think but, that way. We just can't. But do if it. you if you read like the last page, uh, the, there's a guy from IDW who gave like uber primer of Drudge Dread from the from Europe and it's I mean it's basically like he's the number one character comics over there and it's I mean he's just he's deep and it's it's actually really cool that uh, I read that it's basically kind of goes on in real time like the character the comic's been out for 30 years and in that time Dread has aged like the the comic has aged maybe 40 years or something like that but dread is an older man than he was when judge dread came out in the beginning so it's happening mm-hmm. in like a i don't know but it's i my first intro to judge dread just left me feeling poop i went and read all new x-men again <laughs> just because pretty much the best kind of print being printed right now i would buy they could put that out twice a week and i would buy it probably uh, each issue i I if they continue on that uh if they continue with this quality I'm super happy that they're double shipping or bi-weekly or whatever you want to call it. Bring it on baby. The only Marvel book I think that's as good if not better right there is Indestructible Hulk. Hmm. Same hmm. for the show. Hmm. Uh my turn. Finally. I've been waiting this whole G damn time. Uh let's take Arm and Arm together let's take a trip down memory lane with hands. our dear friend chris claremont and uh one of my just childhood heroes mark silvestri we're mm-hmm. all skipping together into this journey uncanny x-men 220 just got released digitally this week it was the cover where uh forge you know the uh the shaman that can invent pretty much anything in the X Men universe. He's you know, he's being hung up. He looks sickly. And Storm, Mohawk Storm, sexy Mohawk Storm is busting in. She's like saying, "Forge, give me my powers back." Remember, this is a uh, the era in the eighties where Forge created a weapon that took away mutant powers. So Storm has been powerless. So uh, Storm goes on a search for Forge to get her powers back, 
and uh, she eventually finds his mentor, who's another kind of uh, magic shaman, and she, they says, and he says, like, he's gone nuts. We need to go on this journey um, to find him and do battle with him because he's opened up this gate where evil things are happening and he's lost his mind. So she's like, all right, well, let's let's do that. <laughs> and this okay. is this is actually, I'm pretty sure Uncanny X-Men in this era was actually shipping twice a month as well. But it took, there's a, that was the, there's two stories each month. It's that story and then there's also a story with the X-Men that are Wolverine, Rogue, Longshot, Dazzler and Colossus, and they're kind of on the run outlaws. Um, so this goes on for eight issues, where Storm is on a journey to find Forge, like a spiritual growth journey. And this is the this is the the like big era where she had the Mohawk, and she's like her own woman, and she gets even more stronger as a character without her mutant powers. And it's wow. still amazing. I I always refer to life death. That one issue with that's just like Storm and Forge coming to grips with what's happened, and he like took away her powers and her essence, and they eventually fall in love. This takes place after that, but it's just so amazing, so great. I I mean, this is the fall of the mutants era of Uncanny mm-hmm. X Men, but I mean, go buy it, go buy it right now. It's amazing, absolutely amazing. Uh, one question: um, What was your impression of Storm again? Sexy, strong. I would love to take her out on a nice date, you know. If we if we could go back and listen to the tape, she sounded like somebody who starred in two two seven. That's just that's just my personal opinion. <laughs> she uh, give my powers back, <laughs> Forge. Uh, she, th- I mean, there's so many it, over the over the course of Claremont's run, he does that stupid thing where he introduces each character every month, where he mm-hmm. says like Storm, she can control the weather, yada yada yada, and it gets so played out. But you love uh, it. I, is I, this he is like literally no one has written a character as good as he has since they've been created. I I mean I defy you to come up with another art wow. writer that has written a storm story better than Chris Claremont. Is this something that I could just read and yeah you could pick it up you could hop okay. in. I mean that's another thing from his era like he'll give you a recap and a thought bubble pretty much every issue. In those little square boxes, you know, where there's like a narrator. Um, but I, yeah. w- I wish we had the life death issue that was a prelude to this. Uh, but they they do a recap of what happened in it, and it's just oh my god, oh god, Chris Claremont, I might, uh, I might <sighs> just do it. I read it on the train, you know, just I just blew through it, you know, Sylvester mm. Wolverine, you can't beat it with a stick. Okay, Jonesy. Okay, wake up. I'm awake. Uh, lightning round. Splash we need to get into it. Water on my face. Mark is hammered over there. I want to hear from Mark. Lightning round. Two sentences or less. What'd you read? Justice League 14. Where has all this action and character development been for the last 13 issues? This finally feels like a Justice League book. Thor, God of Thunder, issue two. This title might be better than my beloved Jurgen's run. Man, pre Mjolnir Thor is totally <laughs> B.A. <laughs> Signed, Thor, Mjolnirologist, Jonesy Wellsbeer. 
The Grand Duke. Graphic novel. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, factual. Uh, World War II. Uh, aviation. Art. Against a beautiful backdrop of a Romeo and Juliet type scenario. <laughs> I mean, Stop. That, is that book real? He could have just been naming things on his wall and it pieced together into a graphic novel. Microphone follows cat <laughs> okay. into hardcover collection refrigerator. Did you, just Kaiser, in your say, did you just Kaiser so say that comic? That doesn't <laughs> exist. Uh, okay. Nowhere, man. Number one, Image Comics. I just, I, you know what? I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, a new book from Image Comics from its publisher, and it's Dynamite. Highly recommended reading Image Comics. Astro City. Kurt Biesick, dear friend of the show. Jonesy, I know you had interaction with him on Twitter once or twice. Quite a few times. Quite a few uh, times. What is Astro City? Why Why should you care? Think of Astro City as Busick's opus. His deconstruction slash love letter of the superhero comic genre that basically tackles all the archetypes in the first volume. You know, the Superman archetype, the Batman archetype, the intrepid reporter archetype, the Captain America archetype, uh, the Batman, the, the Wonder Woman. Every person you can think of that's iconic is featured here with Busick's human spin that he does on characters, which I think he does brilliantly. Uh, the first issue is the tale of Samaritan, who is this Astro City Superman. And it really has an in-depth look at what it must be like to be a person like this, to be a god on Earth. I mean, for instance, the man can only fly in his dreams because to enjoy flight and stop for even a second could cost somebody their lives. I mean, that's the premise of the first issue. Uh, the second it, the second is a great story about an intrepid reporter who cannot tell his own story that he witnessed the, of an invasion of the Earth because he loves, or rather he sees someone, a beloved figure from the past come, but since he can't verify any of the facts, his editor tells him, you know, only publish what you can actually verify so, you know, he can only tell a story about a subway being stopped by a shark on the tracks. Which uh, Slim might tell you, he had an interaction with Kurt Busiek back in the day where he said, you know, that story's so great and it, it's such a great twist. And Kurt uh, replied back to him, that was actually an article my mother sent me that I carried in my wallet for like 20 years and finally got to tell a story about it. Uh, and then, I mean, I, I'm going to just praise every issue here if I can. The next is about a Batman figure who um, who chases down a criminal, and it's all about the criminal's point of view and how he thinks that the jack-in-the-box who is the Batman, and that, you know, analog, 
has to know who he is because they both saw each other and they both could know each other's identity. So he basically goes on the run and this like this paranoid trek away from this um, self-proclaimed knowledge that Jack in the Box has that he has to know his identity. It's great spin on like an episode that I love of Batman the Animated Series about the man who killed Batman. I don't know if you guys remember that. Never heard of that show. Um, let's see. There, there's one about the uh, Wonder Woman, who is really a woman pretending to be a god, and then the final issue is Samaritan and, and Winged Honor, Winged Justice. Is is that the Wonder Woman name? Winged Justice. Winged Justice. Winged a prayer. Winged a prayer. Uh, they have dinner together, and they're set up just because they're mo- the two most powerful people on the planet, and uh, it, it's. A, I I love these six issues. I've actually never read past them because they're so great. I'm afraid to read issue seven. You just didn't have the time. You just don't. You just. He's too busy reading Thor, Invincible, <laughs> and and Wolverine issues. and Daredevil. And uh, <laughs> let's see, what else can we? Amazing Spider-Man there. And Amazing Spider-Man, yes. So uh, your thoughts. Dale underscore the Duke. That's real, by the way. Um, I was completely blown away by what I read in Astro City. Uh, I knew even less of Astro City than I did about Sandman. Um, and, I, and that's saying something. I knew it was Kurt Busick, and I, it was on my radar, radar because of that. Um, I, it was just... Astro City, I felt, was like, I don't know, it was like Marvels, and it was like a contract with God. Like, there were so many different feelings I got from reading this book um, I that I just, I could, I mean, my heart, my heart has Kurt, <laughs> I, my heart has a Kurt tattoo because of Astro City. Um I you know I got the it's just I got the Marvels feeling because Astro City is very much a city that prides themselves on their superheroes and they live in fear of the supervillains, but they roll the punches. They have uh, the humans, the regular people have you know special I don't know evacuation plans for certain uh, in case of certain supervillain disaster. Uh, They have. they they have talismans and and I, I don't know I was just blown away by how, what this book tackled like I and I, I don't know like I don't know what to say <laughs> you want to marry it you want to um, marry Astro I do, City right now because it's just everything everything great and it's it just like every story had a different vibe to it like coming from a different level uh, from a super, some from a superhero, from a reporter, from just some you know some random person. I don't know. It's just I I love the crap out of this book. Mark Farrington, Batman genealogist. What did you feel when you read this book? This book kind of threw me because when I picked it up, I expected it was going to be your typical superhero book of several characters joining together to overcome a threat. From issue one, Busick kind of threw that convention out the window. This book was really about a life in the day of these superheroes. I loved the opening issue with the Superman guy 
and it was just showing all of the little things that you wouldn't necessarily equate to when thinking about a Superman. The loneliness, the disconnection that he feels, the I can't really enjoy myself when I'm quote unquote on because if I take mm-hmm. if I just fly around for fun, people are dying. So I can only dream about flying at my dreams. I love the the middle issue with the lookout guy who oversees the Jack in the Box character, the Batman parallel, unmask, and he's thinking, Oh man, this is great. I can sell this secret, I can be rich. And all throughout the story, he's just flashing to his fantasies of how great his life is going to be after he sells that secret. And page by page, his life gets worse and worse because this is valuable information and his paranoia is getting to the best of him. I enjoyed it. Uh, I enjoyed some issues more than others, but it was different. It was unique. I liked it. I especially loved the last issue with the date between Samaritan and Winged Wonder where it was really kind of a wing justice, excuse me. Um, They were talking about pretty much their philosophy in how they do their job. Wing justice being the Wonder Woman parallel, they were asking, if all things considered, you would rather save a woman before a man. And I love that dialogue. I loved it, and before Slim chimes in, because I'm sure he's going to be very poignant, I loved (laughs) Samaritan's origin story. Do you guys pick up on that? It, they oh, groomed, yep. loved it. They loved groomed him it. to go back in time to save the Challenger from exploding because the future society pinpoints that as the fall of mankind. He does it, and because he does, he erases the world he came from and can never go back. Yeah. So I'm kind of stuck here with these superpowers. I guess I'll continue to save people. <laughs> right. <laughs> Great. How, how his His issue, I think, was... That and the secret, or the secret identity issue were my favorites. But the stuff that he does during the day to save people's lives, and then the one instance where he saves a cat and slows down, uh, like uh, enough so that his little girl can see his face, and just that instant almost cost someone else their life. That he slowed down for that one moment, mm-hmm. and then he like makes a mental note. He's like, I, I have to remember not to do that again, or else someone right. else will die. Uh, just like his not saving lives constantly puts people at risk. And I think the dinner scene where they're on the date, he was worried about like what's happening while I'm on this date trying to think of myself. Um, the, the, the scene where his like copy editing job where he has to review the, I guess, was the women, sexiest women of the year or most desirable, attractive women of the year. And he's like, I, this is my least favorite assignment because it reminds me of what I can never have because of mm-hmm. my job, I can never put another woman at risk by, you know, wanting to have a relationship. And it's, uh, oh, God, so great. The way, I think the way he paced that issue, like where you just, as you kept raiding, you just felt so fatigued for the guy. And this is a one day in the life of the Good Samaritan. Uh, the the little panel that he made just felt so real that he had to go to that fireman's dinner and accept that award oh, yeah. because the last time he didn't he didn't attend the dinner and they like bad mouthed him for it like the guy's trying to save lives but you know just to stay stay good in the in the eyes of the public he's got to attend this dinner because people are going to get bent out of shape that they that he was too good to attend their dinner like. That that just was so poignant to me, like, gee, like, 
guy's not happy. He's just, I mean, he's, he's, uh, it's, it's, it's his responsibility. He's taking the weight of the world on his shoulders because he doesn't know what else to do. And he dumps the award into that cosmic closet of like a million other rewards. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The other issue that I loved, uh, Mark was talking about it, but that secret, the guy figures out the guy's secret identity, Jack in the Box, and he thinks it's going to be so good for him, but then he realizes that there's these scenarios where like these mobsters will just like m- torture him to get the info and then kill him. <laughs> So that yeah. the, the the knowledge of this guy of the superhero's secret identity is so powerful that he leaves the country because it's not worth the the hassle that it'll give him, and that's how terrified he is of the information. Amazing. Abusics. I mean, the creativity behind the the superhero and supervillain origins and their names and their themes. I think I th- they were just so creative and fun and like so wacky, but so a- applicable. Like uh, the uh, the reporter story where he goes into that cross dimension and they're fighting the shark people. So like, what what, what were this? What was the supergroup called? Like a Heroes United or the Honor Guard? The Honor Guard, yeah. The uh, and there's the, like the the beatnik superhero who talks like, <laughs> yeah. He's like, calm down, cat, dad, calm, calm down, daddy. And he's like, isn't like, he beating some guy's head like a like a drum too <laughs> in one scene? Yeah. <laughs> there was so much greatness in all these issues um i i I really got a kick out of the issue where the woman commuted in from that suburb every day that shadow hill i think yeah shadow hill like i pictured that being like like manny yunk or chestnut hill for people like familiar with philadelphia like it's just outside the city but it's still a part of the city and it just had this whole mythology behind it that you couldn't go out at night in shadow hill and it but it so and everybody like this lady had to have like special herbs and wolfsbane like at her windowsill to protect herself from the external forces and like runes on her door and and she had to say her blessings and stuff and then she just commuted into town into the city and there's none of the none of that monsters and and tentacle things coming out of the ground in Astro City but she decides to move there anyway because the the supervillain attack on her office job. I, I I don't know. Just the mythology that he built up around Shadow Hill and Astro City in that in that uh, issue was just. I, I was floored by the. My imagination started running wild, like about what else could go on in Shadow Shadow Hill. And I love that the most about Busick's writing because, and it, it seems like especially his original work, but also like a we'll say Secret Identity uh, drink is he likes to sprinkle enough of a mythology in that it doesn't feel like it, he's just doing it just to do it, but it gives you enough that what you run with it, like your imagination imagination runs mm-hmm. with what could be. So, like, for instance, you can already kind of use his rules to build your own Kurt Busiek Astro City universe in your mind, mm-hmm. uh, but he doesn't give you so much that you're chained down by the rules. It almost makes me want a Gotham City ongoing. I wonder if they were, if it's like Legend of the Dark Knight, but just stories about Gotham City and the people that live there, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. I wonder if they would have enough writers that, or one writer that could do it, or that would just be like a revolving team, kind of like Legends of the Dark Knight. Have they ever done something like that, Mark? I don't think they have, not for Gotham City in general. 
I know GCPD is or Gotham Central is probably the closest to a Gotham yeah. and its cast story. This is enough to make me want to see Kurt Busiek do an ongoing for a major superhero, but his Superman regular series ongoing was not that good. And his hmm. Justice League was okay. I like to think he had a lot of editorial influence because this stuff, compared to his mainstream work, is night and day difference. I love this independent stuff that he's doing. But also, if you look at these six issues, it's like... You try even if you plugged Superman in as the Good Samaritan, it's like totally not a Superman story at all. Like, I wonder how he would, like, if editorial or, or whoever, or if he felt the compulsion that he couldn't write a superhero book like this because it didn't really feel like a superhero book. I I heard that. Um, I mean, is do you know if every, do you know if every issue like in this run, how many issues were there in this? In this series, can we get know? the intern on that? I don't even know if Jonesy is still here. I can't see him. <laughs> there were multiple volumes. I know. I don't know how many issues this went up to, but I know they did an Astro City Volume Two, and I think they're on Volume Three right now. I um, think it stopped, but I, I heard whispers that it's coming back. Was it the first issue all the I'm, way in '95? They're just on Volume Three now. No, you're right. It was '95. Uh, I think I don't know if they're releasing Volume Three or if they're just reprinting it into a collection. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Um, I mean, I just got, like, total hardcover beaner. Like, I need... <laughs> as soon as I finished, I was like, I need hardcovers, baby. I don't know how I'm going to get them or if they even have them. I don't know what, but I, I, don't know what I have to sell. <laughs> yeah. This book was off the hook crazy, and I would love to keep reading to see if they ever interconnect these characters in their story. This was six issues of introductions and day in the life of adventures. Slim, did you ever read past six either? No. No, and I remember, I think it was during the comics podcast where we talked about, we we wondered why we never did, but I think the, the, it's such a high bar. I don't know if it's just that it's such a high bar that we never came back to it, or I don't know what the heck was the reason behind it. I'm trying to think of who I would recommend this kind of book to, and I kept going back to any recommendations I would make for this are for people that don't necessarily want the run-of-the-mill superhero story. Like, hey, you'll get the occasional action and super fight, but this is more about just how much a hero's life really involves. The details that you don't really see, the little conventions that you take for granted, like flying around or your secret identity, or even the influence that you're trying to give other people and inspire them with. Yeah, the action really takes a backseat here, and I think Mm -hmm. for the benefit of the the book. We got your letters. I'm going to open them up. Farrington's going to read them to you. Letters at paperkeg.com. We want to hear from you. How are we doing? Why is... Dale, the most hated host on the show. Mm. Um, <laughs> why is Jonesy's book not out? Why is Mark so great? Yeah, that's what we want to hear about. Letters at papercake.com. Mark, do we get any letters? We got several letters, and several of them are mentioned Dale. Oh, there you go. Take, <laughs> take this one from Dragonfro, for instance, asking, mm? just wondering if Dale is planning on picketing the Hobbit due to all the little people in the story. 
Oh man, that's, that's so notable that Dale at one point uh, said, "Little people," and I quote, "Little people are garbage." That was com- it's the sake of comedy. In the sake of comedy, <laughs> right? By choice. It's like a James. Uh, what's his face? What's that guy's name? Gardens of the Galaxy. We got him on the show right now. James Gunn. That's right. Next one came from Mark in Buffalo saying, thanks for coming back to 76 More. You should do a live after-hours show in the comic shop, and maybe I'll make the drive down. Ooh, Mark what? in Buffalo. It's oh, like okay. an eight-hour drive. It's but it's worth it for you, Mark. I appreciate it. Thanks, Mark from Buffalo. Yeah. I think that's uh, the first time we ever heard from Mark from Buffalo. I He's believe stranger. you're correct. Mayhaps. Let's see. Next one up is from Jeffrey. Hey, all. Many thanks for coming back onto the podcast scene. Your loss was definitely felt among the community. Hopefully you follow through on your theme idea. More about that later, Jeffrey. Side note, I can't believe Dale said, quote-unquote, Negroes on the last show. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. I, sh- I knew I should have tweeted out an apology. Uh, I w- no, a preface. All right. Mark Farrington has a yes, hello video Based on, he takes Negro pills, all right, because he plays basketball. I'm going to cut Dale off right there. When he says Negro, it's spelled K-N-E-E space (laughs) G-R-O-W. He's not being derogatory or offensive. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. We'll let the audience audience be the judge. You've already been judged. So, (laughs) appreciate the look, Jeffrey, but don't worry. We're all good. He ain't mean nothing by it. Next one's from Devin. Excited to hear that Jonesy and Dale have a show in the works. Those two are the best part of the dang show. Who said this? Devin. This is fake at fake.com. Like fake can, <laughs> can we get Jonesy's DNS records to see if this email came from his house? <laughs> Question is from Mark. What show would you do on the syndicate? World needs more black podcasts. Hmm. I would probably do a show about DC animation and comic books in film. Comic books and film. Comic books on television, comic shows, comic cartoons, comic movies. I got a lot to mm. say about that untapped medium. But would it just be you, kind of like Rush Limbaugh? You'd be like surrounded by equipment, and you'd just be talking to the mic. Or who would your co-host be? Those shows. Outside, don't don't choose anybody in the room. Don't choose anybody in the room or in the Google Hangout at D Sale. I bet I could get him on the show. Just Dave. Just Dave. I remember him. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, Just Dave. Former former uh, special guest host on the show. Mm-hmm. What's the latest on your guys' show, anyway? A Dale and I show? Yeah. Don't worry about it. The readers <laughs> want to know. The listeners <laughs> want to hear it. You're never going to listen to it. What do you care? Devin wants what to hear, hear about it. <laughs> what's going to come? Uh, what's going to happen first? Alan Moore gets the rights to Watchmen, Inherited Comic, or the Jonesy show starring Dale underscore A and Jonesy? I would say the show. The Jonesy Show definitely will be uh, obviously the first of that list. This is the first. <laughs> it was a. Uh, it's been kind of announced, but uh, n- after the new year, we purposely titled. You know, we're just we're trying to keep uh, Paper Keg on the rails here. We're, we're we did a lot of work uh, getting this back on, and we can't just we can't take on more than we can handle right now. You know, PR, PR just got a hold of Dale underscore A. They they sent him that memo <laughs> right before he spoke. So, I'm of sound mind, Dale <laughs> underscore A. We're flying through the letters right now. I don't think we've ever gotten this many letters. We got a, one more, and it's a good one from Steve M. Saying he wanted to drop you guys in line to say welcome back and congrats for absolutely counting me in to think you were all recording in the same room. 
Nudge, nudge, wink, wink for Paper Keg, 73.1 and 76. I know you've stated plenty of times before that the quality of your show is paramount, but I believe you've taken it to a whole new level now. Paper Keg has done for Comics Podcast what the Swiss Army has done for Pocket Knives. Perfection. (laughs) Well done. All right. I also had a couple of suggestions for the theme of, quote-unquote, books that everyone has read, Why Haven't You?, in case you need to extend your list. He lists Preacher, Fables, and Mouse, A Survivor's Tale. As many times as people have told me about these acclaimed titles over the years, I've still only managed to read one of them. Anyway, keep up the great work for the next 76 and beyond. That was a nice letter. That's a great letter. Appreciate that, Steve. Um, We're going to be editing our Google Doc and throwing those books into our, uh, our collaborative spreadsheet. At uh, Preacher, I think, did we do Preacher for the comics podcast? That might have been in the archives. Yeah. 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 I have never done Preacher on the show. Never. I've never read Mouse either. I would love to read Mouse. No, I've never read Mouse. I'd like to read that too. Didn't Mouse should, get a like several awards? We should do an all anthropomorphic episode. <laughs> Mouse card, here there we come. There you go. Uh, they got leaves as boats. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, we've got... A couple ideas for theme episodes. Some we might talk about. Some we might just drop on you guys as a surprise. But we do have some that should be coming down the pipeline. What a show. Trying to keep it fresh in here. You know? What a G-damn show that was. Mm. For Friday night, I mean, we did we did D-good. Uh, if you're bored, you know, this is, this is Monday morning the show's posting. You're probably miserable on your way to work. You know, shoot us an iTunes review. You know, they help spread the word of the show. And uh, we're just trying to put food on Jonesy's kid's table. Yeah, please. So he can prove it right back out. Jake. Right? Still, again, not my son's name. Jake. Jake. Uh, (laughs) We have something special cooked up for the next book club. Stay tuned. We'll announce it at some point. Hmm. Dale, thanks for being here, Mark. Thanks for being here. We'll see everybody next week. Looks like he's ready to say something right now. I uh, no, I'm good. No, no. Um, what was my rebuttal? I had a. I think I. Mark, did you ever? Did you say something about someone's lightning round? No, I said. I said, "Indestructible Hulk" is one of the greatest Marvel books being published, and I was going to ask Jonesy about Thor. This Thor series out now is like a prequel. It's about him as a young boy. Uh no, it's what it is. It's three simultaneous stories. Thor as pre Mjolnir, you know, one of the boy Viking god. Uh, Thor in the modern time as a cosmic level Avenger. Then Thor in the distant future, who's 
an Odin esque character. Gotcha. As as discussed as discussed on Paper Cake seventy six. Yeah. <laughs> you were actually on that episode, Mark. So, uh, <laughs> don't know if you remember. <laughs> Some of my favorite screenshots that I took of this show were when Mark were picking at his fingernails for like ten minutes. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna frame those. It helps me think. We've got a white elephant coming up next week. Use them. I they help me I, think. I, I, all my gifts of this white elephant are just going to be screenshots, probably. <laughs> what is a white elephant? Pollyanna. Oh, it's like a yeah, secret, Pollyanna like Chinese auction. We just get ancient gifts Chinese then... secret, huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think I wrote down a whole lot for for the fireside. Uh, how about you uh, taking a whiz all over my Grand Duke? Huh? That was, I mean, you top yourself on every lightning <laughs> round that you do. And that one was just so bizarre that I could swear you were just picking things out of the room and making comments about them. I still don't even believe that's a comic book, to be honest. It's on sale in, in your app right now. Oh, okay. I mean, that's a great book, and yeah, everyone should right. buy it right now. We love it. We we'll love it to that. In post. <laughs> it's going to be seamless. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, that's it. Uh, Paper Keg 77, right? Mark, uh, had, Mark had a few words he wanted to say about James Gunn. Mark, the floor is yours. I can't believe that I'm hearing such a convention about a lot of Marvel fans are ticked off that James Gunn is directing the Guardians of the Galaxy movie because evidently he publishes an annual Heroes You Would Like to Bang list in comic books. Now, come on. We've all sat around and had the occasional conversation of, who would you rather do? Everybody just looked at me funny How, and yeah, some music stopped. Like, no, we've never talked about that. And I guess I'm just blown by the fact that the internet is all a flutter. <laughs> I bet again. you are. <laughs> nice. The internet's all a flutter that this guy is actually going to have control over major Marvel movies. That was it. I'm just stunned. Uh, what, what, well, do you, I th- what do you chime in here? Do, do you think he shouldn't? Do you think he should? Do you not care? Do you care? I, are you an enigma wrapped in a riddle? I like to think so. If you look at some of the excerpts that he wrote for some of these uh, reasons why he would want to bang some of these characters, men included, like Gambit. He's not funny and has no business writing. B- Obviously. But if if the powers that be at Disney think that he'll be a good director for the Guardians of the Galaxy, I have no issue with it. Truth be told, I probably won't even see Guardians of the Galaxy. I I try to avoid this entire ordeal. I think I've been doing pretty good for the past year. I've tried to cut myself mm-hmm. off from internet rage from the comic community mm-hmm. because there's like a, literally a topic every other day where people just get so riled up about. And he wrote this thing that was like, I guess it was supposed to be satire about banging people. He called Gambit a fruit or something. Like a like a like there was like a gay slur. He made a joke about turning Batwoman out of a lesbian. And like the, the internet just like literally spread their butt cheeks and pooed instantly when, when this two-year-old post came out. And they wanted him fired and all this stuff. And it just, I mean, it just it gets so tiring. You know, I don't have an opinion either way. It's just, there's this, the comic community needs to, they need yeah. to go out and get some sunshine. Get away from Twitter and Google Reader and just live, you know, make some babies. You know, make love with somebody. Make love. Make yeah. love, not war. I on also the internet. love when the internet gets riled up about people getting riled up. That's particularly my favorite. Sorry, continue. Yeah. Oh, yeah, f- you, f- you follow at Jurassic Alien on the Twitter. That's for what I'm saying. It's like, I can't believe 
Somebody, like, why are you guys getting angry? It just makes me so upset. Like, there's no point. I, 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 there was a time where I would, I, where I guess, I don't know if it's because I don't have, like, it sounds kind of douchey where I say I don't have time to read a lot of it, and I, I think that is kind of douchey sounding, but I just, there's a period during the day where I'll work, and then I'll come back, and I'll see people yelling about something, and I just... I, I, I just don't have, have the time. No, it's to, okay to not care. It's okay to not I care. I just don't have the time to get into it. And I just uh, I, I just think that you you hit a certain threshold where I needed to brush that portion of comics away. And I just mm-hmm. I can't do it. There's, I mean, I, there needs to be less stress in someone's life at some point. Slim, I think you phrased it perfectly in the sense that not only do you not have time for it, but it comes to a point where you're just done. I think. Earlier, before we started recording, you guys were busting my balls for not really being on Twitter. But the way I look at it is I have four hours of free time a day. I'd rather be on Facebook. How much time do I have to fill myself up with unnecessary negativity? I just don't care. That's it. Nobody is forcing me to read it. If I don't like it, turn it off. Right. I mean, how much? looking back, do you want to think about those three days that you were so riled up about the director of Guardians of the Galaxy that he wrote something two years ago? I mean, where does that fit into your life? It just doesn't fit into mine. I, I, I'm, 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 getting all my, I'm getting off my douche horse right now. Sorry, everybody. It's the ugly side of fandom. It's, this is where DC Women Kicking A shines. I mean, if we... We will always find something to not be happy about. We is a fanboy community. Whether or not they make a choice for a certain character, half the population is going to love it, half of them is going to hate it. And then it's only going to go on until the next issue. I just, I, I hate when people on the internet, like I hate when somebody talks out loud to the internet and Twitter is, that's what you do. You talk out loud to the world. Or somebody said, I can't give proper credit for this quote, but somebody said Twitter is like, Shouting into a room full of people, hoping somebody hears you and res- responds back to what you have to say. Just because somebody says something out loud doesn't mean it's directed towards you and doesn't mean you should care about it for an instant. So if somebody says, hey, here's this article uh, about this guy. I just want to post it out there. Like, why do you need to internalize that? I just, I don't understand it. And what's crazy is the second you engage, they won. Doesn't matter yeah. how wise what you said is after that. You engaged. Even if you're like, you. hey, I wasn't even like trying to include you in this. and the, But they, they get all riled up. I mm-hmm. just don't, I don't, it does not compute for me. I just, uh, I'm just super jealous that James Gunn slides up in Pan from the Office on a nightly basis. <laughs> what? He does? Stop the presses. Do we have presses that we can stop right now? He's Yeah, he's married to uh, Pam. Wow, pancakes, pancakes, exclusive, blaze of glory. Maybe that's why people that. are so upset. Yeah, they're jealous. She's in that outfit. Oh, that's what I know. I'm gonna start going on Twitter tirades about this. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for get letting me get on my soapbox. I appreciate that. I feel better now. You had that polo. We we couldn't say no to you when you're wearing that polo. Should we talk about the uh, paper cake, Pollyanna? Is that something we can talk about? Clip me out if we don't. If we're not going to. I think we can talk about it. What's what's um, what's paper gag Pollyanna? So we have broken out the polyhedral dice earlier before we recorded. Polyhedral? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, many many sided. There were four, dog. 
Polly means more than means many. Tell Four about, is more than one. Tell them about the daggone Polly. So anyway, I'm not going to debate with you here as I swing my arm. Stay, <laughs> stay tuned for the Jonesy show for more about Polly <laughs> So uh, we all picked a, a Pollyanna that we would gift them a book digitally, and the other person would have to read it uh, and then review it on the show. So the list is follows. I am picking Slim's. Slim is picking mine. And Dale and Mark are picking each other. Purely by accident that we all got, mm-hmm. we, we paired off like that. And uh, we will announce on episode 81 what the results of the Pollyanna were and our thoughts on their books. Mm-hmm. You have to read what the person gifts you. Right, correct. So now do you, do you try to like knock their socks off or do you make them read something that... No, I'm going to force Slim to pick up Invincible again. It's going to be it's going to be trolling. <laughs> so it's going to be it is it's going to be a huge troll fest and then we're going to have to review it. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. 